Today's episode of Beautiful Stories from Anonymous People is sponsored by MailChimp. MailChimp is a service I personally have used for many years, well before they ever advertised on this show. It is simply put, a reliable, quality service that I'm happy to give a big old thumbs up to. When you're trying to tell your story to the world, MailChimp can help for free. Gorgeous pre-designed email templates. You can also code your own. Like I mentioned, I use it. It's not hard. It'll help you with everything. Show you how to send, when to send, why people open an email or click delete. Help you find your people, grow your business. I can vouch for it. It has helped me find my people, grow my business. MailChimp helps you tell your story effectively and find people who care about it. More at MailChimp.com. This episode is brought to you by Subaru. Ever wonder what it's like to own a Subaru? Meet real Subaru owners and find out at meetanowner.com. At meetanowner.com. Owners create a personalized profile. They make video, photo, text, posts, communicate one-on-one with users to share a first-hand look at what owning a Subaru is really like. Check out meetanowner.com. Talk to real Subaru owners. See how a Subaru can fit your life at meetanowner.com. And stay tuned. End of today's episode. Very, very excited. Subaru has a... Has helped us. Bonus interviews, bonus content, mini episodes of Beautiful Anonymous. Very true, very real. I'm proud of these. Funny. You hear more about it in, in just a minute. But Subaru is helping us out a lot. It's very cool. Stay tuned. End of the episode. Hello, canoe enthusiasts. It's Beautiful Anonymous. It's one hour, one phone call. No names, no holds barred. I'd rather go one-on-one, I think it'll be more fun, and I'll get to know you, and you'll get to know me. Hello everybody, hope you're doing well, this is Chris Gethard, welcome you to uh, another episode, beautiful anonymous, so happy to have you here. Hey, if you support the show, um, we got we got the Sorry Sally t-shirts, and they have these new enamel pins of me, uh, it says beautiful anonymous, and then there's a phone cord and a phone leading to my head, my friend Diana. Sign the pin, earwolf.com. Check out those things. If you're looking for a way to show off your pride in the show, meet other people out there in the world who listen. Uh, I want to mention, after the show, very cool thing, um, Subaru has, has uh, it's branded content. I'm not going to hide that, but it's cool branded content. They were willing to work with us. Uh, there's many episodes. We're doing, I think, four of these um, over over time of, of people calling us uh, uh, from Subaru cars doing a, a Subaru-specific Mini episodes of Beautiful Anonymous. So at the end of this, uh, at the end of this episode, don't don't turn this one off. There's a, it's about a five minute mini episode of the show, um, and I'm actually really proud of it. Thing is funny. Think we get a good story out of it, and also, you know, every once in a while you find one of these brands that actually wants to do something cool that you do it your way. So thank you Subaru for sponsoring the show this week. Last week's call, we uh, we talked with a, a, a trans caller for the very first time. Lot of feedback online. Lot of chatter. The Facebook group was a buzz, and I'm I'm very happy. I'll say too, this is an issue, um, and, and this is a topic that very often brings emotions to the surface. And there were some people who said in the Facebook group, like I am very very happy. A lot of times when you read about this issue, comments become hateful or, or full of divisiveness and emotion. And uh, the the discussion in the Facebook group this week was actually so positive and all about um, you know being thoughtful and wanting to learn. So thank you guys for that. Uh, Reggie or Reggie, it's a, an, an interesting. This is my favorite episode. Been waiting and hoping for a call from a trans person since I began listening. This did not disappoint. I'm a non-binary slash gender fluid person. A lot of what this caller said resonated me with me. Found myself nodding along a lot. Gives me hope that a podcast like this draws so many open-minded and empathetic individuals who are willing to learn. I thought that was a really nice thing. And uh, yeah, instead, uh, you know, it means so much to me. 
you, uh, that people even consider listening to this episode because I know there's many out there who laugh at, dismiss, or demonize trans folks. So thank you. I thought that was very cool. There's a lot of people saying I walked on eggshells accusing me of not uh, asking the hard-hitting questions, people who wanted me to cut deeper. And I get that. I was a little nervous. My wife, it's funny, my wife listened and said that the caller and I both sounded nervous like we were on a first date or something. And that made me laugh. And I wasn't trying to dodge anything. I was, I was just trying to be respectful. And it's so easy to put your foot in your mouth. And I didn't want to. And I know that uh, maybe for some, some people out there, that's the first time they've listened to a conversation with a trans person in their own words. And I wanted to get that right. Sorry if I danced around it. Also, someone said that I offended them as a religious person. There was a point where I, I kind of went off in the podcast as far as like condemning religion as maybe making life harder for um, outsider communities, so to speak. And uh, and I apologize if I offended anybody. I'm I I don't I don't have a you know there is a certain side of religion that I think sometimes fans flames that lead to to people. Um, you know, especially with violence. I think I was really worked up. Two trans women got beat up in my neighborhood in Queens in liberal New York City. Couple blocks from my house, in front of the McDonald's on 82nd Street in Queens, two trans women just got beat up. So, so I, when I when I read that, I think my emotions run high, and I think, uh, you know, I, I think even the religious listeners out there would say sometimes uh, people use religion as an excuse to uh, to fan some negative flames, and uh, that's the type of religion I condemn. I got no problem with religion overall. Raised Catholic, still believe in God. Someone sent me a message on Facebook too that said. It's great that you would defend trans people so much. I wonder why you don't defend the rights of newborn babies, which to me shows you that's the type of religion where when I hear it, I say, I understand that you have a point of view, but I don't quite understand the connect there. And this clearly brings up some emotions. And uh, I I just wrote back and said, I do not have the emotional capacity to have this fight on Facebook right now. So sorry, couldn't do it. So anyway, thank you guys so much. Um, for listening and and uh, and and caller for calling this week. This week's call, I, I've thought about this one so often since we've done it. It's uh, it's it's it's, it's interesting because this guy is like a character from a book, if you ask me, like an old school type of book. I, I think at one point in the call, I say like you you walked out of the pages of a Jack Kerouac novel, and I. It's funny because I kind of romanticize that life of these people who have like walked uh, in a certain way, but then I also think about this one so much because I'm like, yeah. This guy really lived some crazy times, but also there's like kids involved, there's relationships, there's bridges that got burned. And uh, I don't know, I go back and forth on like how romantic this is and how much of a cautionary tale this is, but I think you'll like it. And I hope that the callers out there somewhere right now, wandering the hills, contemplating the consequences of the choices he has made. I I won't say much more than that. I don't want to spoil anything, but uh, yeah, this one, it really fascinated me and... uh, I think a lot of people are going to be intrigued by this mysterious character from uh, the American wilderness, so to speak. Enjoy the call. Thank you for calling Beautiful Anonymous. A beeping noise will indicate when you are on the show with the host. Hello? Hello? Hi. Hi. How are you? Pretty good. How are you doing? I'm okay. Kind of tired, but I'm all right. Why are you tired? Uh, I'm feeling a little intimidated by you. I'm just going to say that right out of the gate. Um, I don't know why. I'm feeling instant <laughs> intimidation. Why am I talking? Ta- uh, I don't know why. <laughs> that wouldn't be the first time somebody said that. 
Really? Yeah, we'll talk about that because it, it did have a – like I'll tell you, it had a sinister tone for mine when you're like, why are you tired? Why are you tired? It sounded like you knew something I didn't. I was uh, – let's see. I was out of town. Uh, you, we just had the blizzard here in New York and uh, my house – I'm still renovating my house. Oh, God. And I didn't have a bathroom or a shower, so I was like, I'm going to get out of here. So I, some friends who live upstate, they let me stay at their place. They weren't there. Didn't get much sleep because I had to wake up and shovel snow, get out of there. Didn't sleep much last night. Blah, blah, blah. I'm tired. Didn't sleep much is the short answer. Anyway, why are you so intimidating? Shoveling snow. What's that? Why are you, why are you so intimidating? I have no idea. I really don't. <laughs> well, you know, let, a dramatic pause and then letting out a big sigh before you answer doesn't help the problem. <laughs> Ask me why. I'm going to let you know what that sounded like. Ask me. Say this. Ask me the question. Why are you so intimidating? Why are you so intimidating? I really don't know. That's what it sounded like, man. That's what you sound like, bro. Uh, I was. I was thinking why. I can never, never been able to figure that out. Uh. Most people like me. I, I think it's just uh, right out of the gate. Uh, for some reason, uh, it comes across as intimidating. I'm going to need word. to know your deal pronto. <laughs> well, uh, my nephew was the one that told me I should call the program. Um, him and uh, pretty much... Everyone I know has been goading me into writing a book, but uh, I don't know. I don't feel like it. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, do you not? You don't? Sure are you familiar that, I'm, I'm sure with the show? It would be a daunting task. Yeah, it is. Pardon me. Are you, so you're not familiar with the show that you're currently on? Your nephew told you to do this. He. Uh, he told me about it, and he texted me one of the episodes, and I listened to probably the whole thing. <laughs> uh, probably. <laughs> I can't remember uh, how it ended. It was uh, some guy that was, oh, man, I don't know. He was struggling. Sounds about right. What Struggling. is your story, man? <laughs> what is your story, man? Oh. I am a child of the 70s, and back then, I don't know, I think we were trying to, um, I'm hiking a mountain right now, so. Excuse me? I'm trying to focus on not. Not not twisting my ankle. Hike the mountain with my dog. You're currently on a mountain. Uh, yes, my mountain. What do you mean, your yeah, mountain, I'm the man? One <laughs> it's my mountain. <laughs> I blaze the trail, and now I'm now I'm getting visitors. Now that I've blazed a, a hikeable path. One mile, one mile loop, nothing too crazy. So you actually blazed it. You actually established a one mile trail. 
Yes. And now people, other yes, people are yes. using it and you're vaguely mad about it. <laughs> uh, not really. I, I'm kind of glad that at least their footfalls are keeping the weeds down. And I've only seen two people on it in uh, the four years that I've been working on it. But I know others. I know others have go, gone up and are using it. So you, as I see their foot foot tracks in the snow and stuff. So you blaze trails on a mountain that you regard as your mountain. That's the only thing I know about you thus far. <laughs> well, like I said, child of the seventies, we were we were trying to grasp what was left of the sixties of free love and drugs and uh we missed it there was we were too i don't know when you try to um i'll say copy something like that end up going overboard i think and most of my friends in the neighborhood we were out of control. Um, if, the, if the people in the 60s shared a joint in a group, then we had to take it to the extremes and do every, every drug known to man, <laughs> trying to, trying to accomplish what, was, what went down in the 60s, a major fail. Am I hearing the crunching of your footsteps on the side of a mountain trail right now? Is that what I'm hearing? Yes. So so far, what you've told me it, it wasn't it wasn't well, it wasn't an easy trail to blaze. It's 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 rocky, rocky cactus. Wow. So you've done, so you've you've blazed a mountain trail and you've done a ton of drugs. Those are the things I now now know. <laughs> Two things I now know. And and doing it, it's a crippled, pretty old guy. You're crippled, pretty. How old are you? Fifty-five. Fifty-five. And what do you mean when you say you're crippled? Well, that all starts back in the seventies. <laughs> uh, uh, wrecking motorcycles and cars and sliding down mossy dam spillways and slamming into. A wall. I mean, it's endless. The things that have busted my body up, but I'm still hiking, man. Now, is it weird that instead of having parents, Jack Kerouac just wrote you? <laughs> what is that? You sound like a character out of On the Road. You're like a. You sound like a living. I, oh. I get why your nephew wants you to write a book. You sound like a real. You do things your way, huh? You're a character. Yeah, I, uh, myself and all of my crew, it was pretty lawless. We, we had certain rules that we wouldn't cross, but, um, we ran the cops like, 
Keystone cops back then. There was no cameras and no internet. And it was pretty dang fun until the reality of what you needed to do to make it in the world set in. None of us expected to live. You know, every day was living like this is it. Overdose, crash a car. And we seriously didn't care. And then we well dropped out sophomores in high school. Um, and uh, really never expected to do the nine to five. <clears throat> Excuse me. That was definitely rather be dead than do what our parents were doing. So we were we were going to flame out, but most of us made it. <laughs> no, uh, we were all struggling to to maintain being civilians now. Yeah. So you you had a whole crew. You had a you had a whole crew. You guys lived wild in the seventies. I know in the eighties yeah. when, when I grew up, the kids who dropped out and did tons of drugs, we called them burnouts. Were you, burnouts, yeah. Were you guys like the burnouts we, we from your freaks. crew? You were the freaks. Freaks, yeah. Okay, let me ask you this. You okay. Okay. I let me ask you this to start off, because there's many things. Clearly, you are a man of many mysteries, and I want to get to the bottom of a lot of them. Here's a question I have. You did a ton of drugs in the 70s, you said. 70s, I know drugs were for real. Yeah. You said it, it, it clearly caught up with you. I'm not trying to glorify this. I'm not trying to encourage this. What were the most fun, no. what were no. the most fun drugs to do in the 70s before it all caught up with you? Like quaaludes, that was right. a well, that was a thing. That's a thing you can't get anymore. But I hear quaaludes were fun. <laughs> yeah, uh, I was pretty much hyper from birth, so doing quaaludes kind of uh, defeated my purpose. We were pretty much amped, black beauties, white cross, and. It was all moving quick. <laughs> Wait, you said you, um, you broke up a little. I heard the was, phrase. That uh, was just black beauties, white cross. What's that mean? Speed, speed. Oh, yeah. That was just like maintenance. Always just kept a pocket full of speed just to keep it, keep it rolling. Um, but acid that was pretty fun. Uh, Nobody, none of my crew ever had a, a bad trip on it. My ex-wife, she ended up being my wife back then. One of my one of my buddies never wanted to take acid, and we did. She was adamant. She wanted him to open his horizon. <laughs> she slipped one into his beer and. Uh, he dealt with it and then took it a lot more after that. But, wow. But uh, the 80s, do bumps or limes, had to turn into 
mountains of it viewing it and uh, um, having an endless supply snorting it just didn't do it so back then it was free basing um, I guess they like it was the crack back then we had to make it ourselves crack using ether yeah it was free base you make make the rocks yourself using free base or using ether and of course I was always so blasted that uh, <laughs> I was going to light up a cigarette and almost pulling a Richard Pryor every time but yeah, that was uh, that was brutal. Yeah, um, that messed us up. Pretty much all of us don't have any serotonin receptors anymore. <laughs> yeah, just fried, fried. Kind of hard to remember now and finish complete sentences. Um, my best friend, he had to have a heart transplant. I've got heart rhythm issues that all goes along with we shouldn't be here we weren't supposed to be here you plan on dying young to deal with. what's it, that's a great question yeah. it's like when you plan on dying young what's it like when you when you hit 55 you know that's you never think about that so, so are you still do you, have you cleaned up have you cleaned up or do you still yeah um after uh well, my my buddy that well my friend's dad was a judge in our town and he would recuse himself when when we would come before the bench and uh another judge would step in and pretty much uh my buddy's father thought he was doing us a favor and we had great potential, especially his son. Um, so I think he was just trying to play play out the time until we all pulled our head out of our asses. Um, so we we never got in that much trouble. We never got caught that much, but the rare times we did. We'd get off, and uh, I moved to another town, and um, I kept playing the same game, thinking that the system was all a joke. But the new town was no joke. I ended up doing a year and a half in the Department of Corrections for DWIs. <clears throat> I had 11, 11 DWIs. Jesus. And uh, I came out and I was married at the time. And she had endured some, obviously, alcoholic, drug addict, major bullshit for me. But she, she had to drive every weekend. She didn't have to, to visit me in prison 
every weekend. I got out, and the whole time I was in, I never said, um, I'm going to quit drinking. Oh, it's enough of this. I pretty much figured there's no way I would be able to. They had, they had sentenced me to rehab in the past. And, um, never, never worked. But I got out, and I went to uh, 7-Eleven a few days later, grabbed a uh, six-pack. And I was heading up to pay for it, and it just hit me. I was like, my wife just visited me every weekend, staying with my nutty parents for the weekend. And you're going to go drink beer? Well, I know I'm an asshole, but how big of an asshole? (laughs) Uh, I never drank another drop or did another drug after that, and that was 30 years ago, um, last December. Hey, congrats. Someone threw me a, a nice nice 30-year anniversary party. That's nice. That's nice. <laughs> I want to ask you, thinking back, I, I, I want to talk about everything, and that's, that's a stunning story. And the fact that you were online with a, with a six-pack of beer and just walked away for 30 years, that's incredible. Before we move on... I have this vision in my head of you and this gang of teenage hooligans in the 70s. Did they have nicknames? I always feel like the 70s people had great <laughs> nicknames. I want to know. I'm so, I know it's a juvenile question. I want to know the nicknames. Every time I think about the 70s, I think about people named like Skeeter and Doodoo and stuff like that. So we'll get the answer to that question. Right after our break, thank you to all our sponsors who helped make Beautiful Anonymous happen. (laughs) For so long, my friends, socks, it's an afterthought. No attention to detail, like just crank out these socks. Well, times have changed, okay? Four years ago, two guys set out to rethink socks after spending two years fixing things they didn't like about conventional socks and inventing innovative new features all in the pursuit of extreme comfort. Bombas was born. My wife, Hallie, was she, uh, I, she was doing backflips in our house when I told her Bombas was uh, advertising on the show because she's worn them for years, swears by them, has referred to them as the ultimate sock, will honestly say to me in the morning sometimes, I know I am going to have a good day because I am wearing my Bombas socks. That is all very true from my life well before these guys advertise. It's premium socks, Bombas premium socks, seven substantial improvements to the ordinary sock, reinforced footbed, Y-stitched heel that cups to the back of your foot. Very, very quality product. Bombas socks are such game changers. Customers overwhelmingly claim they're the most comfortable socks they've ever worn, including my wife. She says that. You guys know you can trust her opinion. Best of all, every pair of socks Bombas sells, they also donate a pair to those in need. Since socks are the most requested items at homeless shelters, it's really a good thing. Makes a big difference. And they've already donated over 2 million pairs so far. So you know you're uh, supporting a company here with high integrity and a great product. If you need new socks, can't go wrong with Bombas. Go to bombas.com slash stories. You get 20% off your first order. You're going to love them. You'll love your Bombas socks or they'll give you your money back, guaranteed. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash stories. Bombas.com slash stories. Are you hiring? Do you know where to post your job to find the best candidates? Posting your job in one place is not enough to find quality candidates. You want to find the perfect hire? You need to post your job on all the top job sites and now... You can ZipRecruiter. 
9 million resumes you can search through in their database. I know how hard it is. I'm lucky to have professional endeavors. TV show in particular, got to hire people. How do you know? How do you know when people are good? ZipRecruiter.com. Add multiple people to your account. Make it efficient for your team to find the best hire. Post your job. You can post your jobs to 200 plus job sites, that's including social media networks, Facebook, Twitter, all with a single click. ZipRecruiter's handy website shows trending career fields, cities, searches. You find candidates in any city, any industry, nationwide. You post once, you watch all the candidates roll in qualified people in ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use interface. You don't have to juggle a million emails and calls. You just screen people, rate them, keep organized, hire the right person fast. And don't fret if you run into any issues. ZipRecruiter's got friendly and human support staff always ready to help. Featured on Forbes, Wall Street Journal, Time, New York Times, TechCrunch, CBS. ZipRecruiter's been used by over 1 million businesses. Find out why. Right now, my listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash beautiful. That is ZipRecruiter.com slash beautiful. One more time. Try it free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash beautiful. Thank you so much to all the advertisers who helped me bring this show to you for free. Now, let's get back to this very fascinating phone call. Did they have nicknames? I always feel like the 70s people had great <laughs> nicknames. Um, mostly it was all, uh, takeoffs on our Spanish name, Ricardo and uh, <laughs> Miguel, and that's, that's about it. Nothing, uh. So you mostly just converted your English names into Spanish names. Okay. Yeah. I had, right. I had an elevated, I, I was overthinking that. In my head. That's okay. Well, that's really beautiful. So wait, so you're 20, you're 25 then. So you've, you've lived hard from, you dropped out of high school when you were a sophomore. That means you're about 15. That means you've already been going hard. 10 more years where you're going really hard. Drugs, cocaine, freebasing, drinking, driving. And then at 25, you just go, something needs to change. And you change. How, uh... Well... It was, it was, I never had any hope of having a career or anything. Um, I'd already blown school and uh, I was still, my dad had got me a job in his company doing drafting and I was still partying, killing myself and every night putting away splitting a liter of whiskey with a friend of mine and no, no, no. And then I was dropping off a friend of mine and his girlfriend. We were dropping her off at a cosmetology school. Um, And while we were dropping her off, one of her friends was looking out the window and saw me. She asked my friend's girlfriend who I was and there was a party coming up and at my friend's girlfriend's house and uh, she asked me if I wanted to meet her and sure of course (laughs) Um, but we pretty much got together immediately And it turned out that she was 
extremely wealthy. So, uh, it, she gave me a, a light at the end of the tunnel that maybe, maybe I can make something out of this wreckage that I've created. Um, with her for 20 years, extremely wealthy. <laughs> and I, it's just go from uh, lower middle income and out on my own, completely broke. Um, and then instantly traveling to Santa Barbara, getting in limousines, uh, Hawaii all the time, Tahiti, uh, you name it, new cars and trucks, and we, sand and, dunes. And at what point in your timeline is this? Is, is this lady who likes sand dunes? Like, is that is she someone you're still with? I'm a little unclear on the timeline. No, we, I was with her. I was with her for 20 years. I met her when I was 21. We were together 20 years. So she was your wife who visited you in jail? Yes. Wow. And the one that had to, had uh, four, four and a half years of living with an asshole. Is she the one who dosed? She's also the one who dosed that guy? No, that was that was a marriage I had when I was, I was, I was about to move out and, um, a girlfriend of mine was a runaway and she was living with me and my parents, uh, my parents and I, uh, so we were, we had a couple lame jobs and we were getting ready to move out and my parents are really religious and my mom starts dropping it. You guys should get married. Like, I don't want to get married. I'm 18. She's 17. Uh, but once, once the girl started hearing that, then she wouldn't let up. Just kept wanting to get married. And I was like, all right, whatever. We'll be dead in a year anyway. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> you lived it. Can I also say, you're in the middle of these stories. We're telling me about how you're freebasing and dosing people and then traveling the world with this rich lady that you met going to jail. And in the middle of all of it, you corrected your grammar. You said, my, me and my parents. No, wait. No, wait. My parents and I. You said, me and my parents. No, no, no. My parents and I. So anyway, I'm uh, I'm dosing people with LSD and uh, driving drunken ram rampages through the streets, but at least I got my grammar on point. Yeah, yeah. Me and my friends are doing acid. Do you want to do acid? I mean, my friends and I are doing acid. Yeah. How do you like? <laughs> so you wound up married. Really, you, at eighteen, you got married. Yeah. And when did you get when did you get and divorced? Of did course, you... she got pregnant. Ooh. Immediately got pregnant. Wow. And I was telling her, you do not want to marry me. I mean, what are you thinking? I'm an alcoholic. And uh had uh had a baby uh 
about a year later and then a year with me and that baby she was understandably concerned about the child's well-being and said she wanted a divorce i'm like why do you want a divorce you're an alcoholic you're a you're a genius aren't you sweetheart so now i gotta try to have a some sort of relationship with my little girl and that didn't work out so over the last oh 35 years it's been a struggle had a lot of animosity your mom pretty much did the usual blowing up my blowing me up to my kids even after i'd quit drinking she was still talking shit about me and so i had uh i had to correct a bunch of stuff and um uh accept my responsibility for my part in her shitty life so her, her mom kept doing drugs and yeah that's rough are you do you are you do you have any yeah. relationship with your daughter today yes well, that's that's nice she's a nurse that had the heads up a department at the Mayo Clinic and Ooh. yeah pretty proud of her it was it was rough for her she went to a school did uh got a bunch of credits for nursing and then the school went out of business and she couldn't transfer her credits and had to start all over and she just kept doing it just kept grinding away and that's cool hell of a girl yeah that's really cool yeah. wow so what'd you uh you wind up you wind up clean 25 after gunning for it hard i mean i'm not trying to be facetious here you're someone who was actively seeking death you were assuming death was on its way and and sort of seeking it yeah i i, I couldn't be killed i'm telling you the things i mean i hit a parked car doing 90 miles an hour whoa and walked away without a scratch no seat belts I'm t this is no bullshitting none of it it's just so weird wow what's the craziest thing that you did with cops you said you were always getting into it with cops When any time, any time the lights came on, that didn't mean <laughs> take your foot off the gas. Uh, uh It was punch it or twist the throttle. A lot of uh, high-speed pursuits. The problem is I, I outran them a couple times, so of course anything after that is a possibility, so... Um, yeah, the craziest, probably, I don't know, besides them trying to catch us, you know, uh, multiple cops descending on our location, 
Um, <laughs> it coming from every direction, and they never caught us. And but the last time I drank, that was a high-speed pursuit, and I ended up losing them. And my the guy I was with, he's like, he lost them, and I was too messed up. I always had routes. If a cop ever started pulling me over here, I'd go flying this way. And it worked um, this particular location. And he said I'd lost him, but I kept going. And I ended up coming out, circling around and coming right out in front of him. And so I uh, threw it in park and took off on foot and uh, pitch black. And uh, ran into a canoe that was on some sawhorses. <laughs> what? I didn't and see they were that coming. <laughs> There's a canoe, like, in the air. There's someone working on a canoe. So in my mind, I'm seeing, like, someone has, like, an outdoor work area, like, for carpentry. They have the canoe is up in the air upside down so they can, like, sand it and polish it. And you run into it? No moon, running completely blind and plowing the. You just knock yourself canoe. unconscious. No, 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 not that time. <laughs> so I so a lot of people have this story of like I was drinking, I was drugging, and then you know I had this conversation with my parents where they sat me down and it was an intervention. Or other people will be like, you know, I at this point where I'm like putting myself in this circumstance where it's just so unsafe and I'm looking around and I don't know any of these people and I'm like, where am I? What am I doing? And then your story is like, I was I was living it up, had no plans of stopping until I ran face fucking first into a fucking canoe. <laughs> Ironically, uh, decades later, canoeing down whitewater was <laughs> one of my... Uh, Greatest hobbies. <laughs> <laughs> Canoeing has occupied a central presence in your life in many ways. Right, right. <laughs> right. So, because this is, there's I a whole. You get a tattoo of a canoe. Oh, yeah, you do. If anybody's ever, if there's anything. Yeah. So you wind up with this rich, you run up with this rich girl, you travel the whole world. You're no longer drinking and doing drugs. Is. I want to, I don't even had a, know. Had a baby. I've had another girl. You had another girl with your wealthy, yeah. with this wealthy lover slash benefactor. Wife. Yeah. Wife married her. Yeah. I don't even know what oh, to yeah. ask yeah. you. I don't even know what, <laughs> but it's like when you have so many questions, how do you know which one to pick? <laughs> yeah. She, the only reason we got married was because. One time I was in county jail and for two or three months, and she couldn't visit me unless we were related. So prior to going and doing the time, we went to Las Vegas and got married. Wow. And I don't know. I'm sure her parents were seriously considering putting her in an institution for being with me, I'm sure she must have had really low self-esteem or something. 
but I don't know, the usual drunk, um, really nice guy when I'm not drunk. So the poor partner is always clamoring for that sober period and thinking it could be like this. If you just quit drinking, it could be like this all the time. So I'm sure that's it. Textbook. And what's your, uh, what's your life like today? Well, uh, really weird. Um, 2001, I just, uh, especially with having a daughter, I was, I don't know, kind of unemployable. I mean, I did, uh, took a course to be a, a veterinary tech and, uh, owned a hobby store at one period, but I really didn't get into the idea of how good it was for you to do something with yourself. All I looked at was I'm working. We're not able to keep traveling. I'm working. I'm getting peanuts for a check. There's no contributing to the mountain of assets. So, uh, yeah, I just never set well with me. Um, 2001, I was just, hello? Yeah. Oh, I hear beeping. I think that might be some after effects from the 70s, man. I don't hear any beeping. (laughs) I got tired of being like a kept man. Um, and, and it was getting really toxic is every morning I wake up, the first thing I think of is what can I buy? Where can I go? Um, and I just hated that, that what, what had happened is for being so materialistic. Um, so I told her I really wanted to try to make it on my own, and she's really upset. And, and uh, it was her money before we got married. So uh, I wasn't, um, it wasn't any of mine. We did have other assets, buildings and stuff like that, but... I didn't want to take more than what I thought I would need to get something going. And uh, that's what I did. I didn't want her to be pissed at me. My attorney in the divorce was like, you could get $50,000 a month in alimony. Like, yeah, I'm trying, and the only reason I'm doing this is to to make it on my own. So, no. So this was serious wealth. And You spent two decades living, yeah, living yeah. the life of a one percenter. Yes. So how's it been going? Millions in Texas. Millions. The funny wow. thing is, is that income we were getting, none of it was regular income. 
So I have nothing for Social Security. (laughs) (laughs) It's, uh, yeah, like grinding it out now to try to have a little bit of Social Security. Um, A friend of mine is a contractor, and we were killing it pretty good, buying property and uh, engineering it for uh, the roads and sewer and electrical. And this was 2005, started doing that, maybe some of that. Um, Pretty much some other investor would come along and see what we had done with the property we purchased and the engineering, and they would buy the project before we even broke ground. And there there was, I mean, it's real estate, you know, there's no, no end in sight with real estate and connections and, uh, the uh, economy tanked, real estate market, and lost it all. So I'm back to no education, no real uh, work experience. Crippled. So I'm I'm with a lady now that when we were together, she owns a business, and I kind of used to like make fun of her with the amount of money she would bring in, how hard she had to work to get it. And uh, now that's our income. And I'm thanking her for uh, <laughs> enduring my mockery. So wait, you've, you've mentioned twice now, when you say crippled, do you mean physically you're hurt? Yeah, just... All of the the crashes and falls, the wear and tear, um, the canoe. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Here's a. I feel like I can ask you a question that I can't ask anybody because you. It sounds. I mean, it, you. I, I say this with great affection. I've really enjoyed this conversation, but you've made almost. You've made like every mistake, huh? Like you've. You've really gone down a lot of paths. I know. So here's my question. Yeah. Here's my question is like, what are the things, how would I phrase it? Like, I want to know, the, like, what are the biggest regrets out of all that? But also more importantly, like, what are the parts you wouldn't take back? You know what I mean? Like, what are the parts that, because you sound like, so you sound like, you know, I mean, the first impression I had of you was that you were this like, man, this like man wandering the hills. Like there is a real wisdom and a, and a thoughtfulness about you that I think is really cool. You're clearly someone who I think the sense I get is you know that you you really tempted fate in ways and now you're alive and there's got to be some purpose to that and you think hard about that. What are the parts you regret the most? But I almost want to start with the other ones. Like what are the parts that you're like, this I actually don't regret. This I think everybody should experience. Everybody should make these mistakes. What are the What are those? wanted to ask that one because I think this guy could spend the whole time talking about regrets. I want to hear about the other side of the coin. Who knows? Could be interesting. We'll all find out together after this break. Everybody's taking jobs to earn some extra cash. Back in the day, I remember I was once the uh, room service delivery guy for one 
day of my life, one of the sadder days of my life was delivering a room service at a hotel in East Brunswick, New Jersey. Look, now there's better ways to earn extra money on the side. So much easier today thanks to Uber. Uber is the ultimate side hustle. Drive with Uber. It's a new way. You can earn extra cash whenever you want. It's not just another J-O-B, right? Flexible. Totally flexible. You can turn it on and off just like your car. If you have a few spare hours here and there, you drive with Uber, pick up that money. You ever want it to be your own boss? My bad. You'd probably be a good boss. You'd probably know how to speak to yourself as an employee. Drive with Uber. You are your own boss. If you're driving right now, you could be earning right now. I've thought about doing it myself. Drive around, pick people up. Every day's a payday. You drive with Uber. Cash out anytime with instant pay. The access to instant pay, you cash out your earnings up to five times a day. No minimum account required. Listen, you enjoy earning extra cash? Something special you'd like to buy your car can start making you money. So go ahead, get your side hustle on. Sign up to drive with Uber today. Go to uber.com slash drive now. That's uber.com slash drive now. U-B-E-R dot com slash drive now. Got some news for you. The Politically Reactive Podcast is back with a new season, and it's coming to Earwolf. It's a show where comedians W. Kamau Bell and Hari Kondabalu navigate the dumpster fire that is the U.S. political landscape. And I've known uh, both Kamau and Hari for for a while now, and, and Hari in particular, he and I have been close in the New York comedy scene, one of the smartest, most thoughtful people I know, and, uh, and this podcast will put that on display, and uh, I think it's... Uh, Really genuinely cool thing. Cool people I want to support. You want to know how to survive in the age of Trump? These guys are here for you. Last season was all about election insanity and revolution. This season focused on how to resist, how to create a more perfect movement, how to stay joyful in the face of the unknown. I genuinely am a fan of, of, of both of these kind gentlemen. Subscribe now to Politically Reactive on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you to the sponsors who allow this show to happen. And now let's finish off this phone call. What are the parts you regret the most? But I almost want to start with the other ones. Like, what are the parts that you're like, this I actually don't regret. This I think everybody should experience. Everybody should make these mistakes. What are the, what are those? Oh, I don't know. It's almost sinful to say it, but I, I, uh, being with my girlfriend, she'd always done everything the right way. Um, graduated high school, went to college. Parents were proud of her. Um, opened a business. Um, never got in trouble with the cops. I mean, she gets pulled over, she starts crying. But there's other things, like if we're changing fluorescent light tubes, I mean, you're not supposed to do this now, but before it was something to be executed over for breaking a fluorescent light tube, we would take the old tubes out to the dumpster and she'd be placing them. (laughs) I'm like, bust it. What? Break that motherfucker. (laughs) And uh, it's just, I really enjoyed tearing through the land unencumbered by any restraints. It's 
and, and we knew what we were doing. And we knew that it was, we, we, we made a choice to do this and die as opposed to what everyone else was doing. So I guess that's, it's what I don't regret. You lived free. I still have troubles with, yeah. I mean, uh, a not very cool kind of free, but we weren't killers or rapers or anything like that. <laughs> Jesus. Only self-destructing. It's a sentence I didn't anticipate hearing when I woke up today. We weren't killers or rapers <laughs> or anything like that. Not a sentence I would have predicted hearing. And as a thing, and as yeah. a sentence, I never anticipated hearing that or being like, you know what? Good for you, man. Good on ya. You never went. <laughs> I will say, I do feel like I get the sense that you're being extremely honest. I feel like listeners to the show are going to say, like, I, is this guy playing it up? Is he romanticizing this or exaggerating? I feel like I'm getting the sense. This is all true, huh? Like you're not playing it up at all. Yeah, like I, well, like I said before, no bullshit. Yeah. No bullshit. And there's a lot more. Are you a, are you a pro wrestling fan at all? You like professional wrestling? No. There's this guy named Dusty Rhodes, the American Dream. Oh, Dusty Rhodes. Yeah, Dusty Rhodes, the best. Yeah. He has a quote that reminds me of you. Lay it on me. He once said, I've dined in castles with kings and queens. And I've slept in alleys eating pork and beans. Oh, awesome. That sounds awesome. like you. So yeah. here's a good question. Yeah. When you were with the when you were with this ultra wealthy um wife of yours, what's the situation like you've told us about like getting in car chases with the cops and running face first into a canoe? You referred to yourself as having an endless supply of cocaine. Like, what's the, like, on the other side of it, what's the situation of extreme wealth where you look around one day and go, this is just as, like, this is just as weird as far as the extremity of this. Like, what's the most insane wealth you've ever seen? Right. Um, uh, we had a house built and, um, I did a lot of work with the architect in the design of it. And, and then I wanted it to be a place where friends and family and just big enough to hold people. So game room and it was, it was just huge, you know, three air conditioners, three furnaces. Um, and when it was finally done, after almost a year and sitting there looking at this, sitting in this place. And even though I had plenty of money for, oh, probably it had probably been 15 years at that point, it was still shocking. And just the excess and never going to go traveling anywhere unless it's 
the best sweets and um, Vegas ridiculous, you know, buy-ins for poker. And it's 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 just not real to me. I mean, it might be real for somebody else, but and the weird thing is, is even though it's been 16 years since I've had that type of money, um, I still can't wrap my head around the value of a dollar now. I mean, my poor girlfriend, like I just did some lessons and I made $275 in a couple of hours. Like, is, is that good? <laughs> yeah. You've stretched life to so many extremes that, like, the idea of average or normal doesn't even, that doesn't even factor in. You just roll with the punches at this point, huh? Right, right. And it all happens so quick. Poverty, wealth, pretty much poverty now. Did you and, just get in a uh, car? It sounded like you just got in a car, huh? I, I'm back from my hike back home. Oh, so we you drove? I would have stayed out. I would have stayed out there with my stayed out there with my dog, but I ran out of water, so I need to get them back. Yeah, yeah. Um, trying to learn. I mean, we're living in a place now that if you would have told me, we would have been living in it. 20 years ago, I would have had a panic attack. And it's a really nice house, but I'm, I'm trying to learn to appreciate what I have and to, and to be thankful for what I have. And, 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 to even be willing to even have way less and still be okay with it and myself. Yeah, that's cool. But having having that kind of wealth for so long, it is just I, I, it's dumbfounding how I can't wrap my head around. Uh, I don't know. You buy a used vehicle and a really nice used vehicle and still think oh, a used vehicle. <laughs> what am I doing here? But Well, it's, it's interesting as you lay it out like that because it sounds like, you know, you got into drugs when you were just a kid and then you very quickly wound up with all this money and it sounds like now, you know, you're you're in your 50s and it's the first time where you're really taking any time to say like, what is reality? Like that amount of drugs means you're not living in reality. That amount of money means you're not living in a reality. Yeah. In reality, as, as especially as far as being where you came from, like that clearly is an escape of its own. Now you're 55. Yeah. It sounds like it's the first stretch of your life where you're going like, "Wait, who am I, and what is this all about?" Yeah. Exactly. Wow. Exactly. You. 
You're a smart guy. <laughs> I, just, I just try to be a good listener. I just try to be a good listener, man. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's, it's rough. I, my girlfriend is, oh, is amazing. The most positive. Sees the good in everything. And I'm a mystery to her. How, how I, because I don't know who I am or what I'm, what I should do or, um, I just, I, I don't know where I'm going. Um, it seems like the road is blocked because of all of my past decisions. And, uh, I spend a lot of time in my head and, and it's not healthy. Yeah. Like that. I'm glad I, I'm glad I'm self-aware. It seems like more, 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 most people, uh, self-checking, make sure I'm, uh, looking at other people's points of view and not just flying off with my opinion is the only opinion. Just trying to be a um, I don't know, self-aware, but I don't know. It's the, the brain damage. I'm pretty sure I've got some damage to the brain. So that's, uh, it makes it more difficult to, try to formulate a a plan. And and I'm also just terrified of making a decision. Like every decision I've ever made, how can somebody make so many wrong decisions? So I just want to hide and not make another mistake. You know, it's really, I find you very fascinating because it's, it is like, like I was joking before saying you sound like a character out of like a, a Jack Kerouac novel or like, there's like a thorough element of you of like, you've blazed this trail through the woods and you walk it with your dogs. And then you have this incredible backstory and it seems like so much of it is you going like, and now I'm really like looking inside myself and trying to like really figure out who I am, what is life, how do I lock into life? But at the end of the day, it also sounds like you're going like, and I'm kind of coming up with nothing. Kind of, the answers aren't really presenting themselves. Like it's also it's very fascinating. It's very fascinating to be where you're at. Right. It's like uh, don't even try to do anything that uh, would make a mark. Just refrain. Just slip into the shadows without blowing up my world or anyone else's world anymore. <laughs> yeah. When Back were you at uh, the shadow? When were you at your happiest? What's the happiest when you think about your whole fifty-five years? What's what's the happiest stretch? That is that is really rough from a chronic pessimist and negative thinker. It's just been all a real shit show. I mean, I'm not walking around kicking rocks and surly and 
lasting out or anything, but it's just this low grade um, unhappiness with everything. Um, I would probably the happiest was when my second daughter was born and um, raising her. That was, I mean, cliche kind of thing, but I really enjoyed that. Everything was the way it should be. We, uh, my ex-wife and I were on the same page as far as uh, how to raise her and uh, didn't have any money worries and um, I wasn't drinking. We weren't going to have a baby after I got out of jail until we both figured it was real that I wasn't going to drink again. So a couple years sober and we decided uh, to have a baby. And so that was first time in a long time that I was clear and living like a citizen. And it was pretty, I liked it then. And your daughter's doing, your daughter's doing good now. Yeah. Yeah. She's, uh, uh, basically trust baby, but, and I knew she was going to be from the time she was born. So without, uh, making it, you know, you can't just lay on a four-year-old. You're going to be extremely wealthy. <laughs> uh, don't tell your don't tell your friends, though. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, trying trying to you know at the different ages, trying to instill in her the pitfalls of it without scaring her or you know affecting her personality or whatever, but she's in it. She's in it now. And, uh, having to deal with, uh, shareholder meetings and the rest of the, uh, extended family. Oh, with the trust. Yeah. Company. Yeah. And, uh, I told her early on that she needed to find something that she enjoyed and to commit to it. And we went and got a, uh, oh, I shouldn't say that. We'll keep that, but she's got a good job. Doesn't make much money, but she likes it. And I'm proud that compared to the other young kids of that family of uh, the trust, they're, most of them are basket cases, and uh, he's solid. That's great. Yeah. That's cool. Look, we got about a minute and a half left. I've loved this conversation. Here's a qu- here's a simple question I got yeah. for you. Are I, you still intimidated? I'm I'm more so than ever. More so than ever. <laughs> Here's a, question, here's a basic question I have for you. You say that you think your amount of, of uh, substance abuse definitely gave you a little bit of brain damage, which is which is not anything to 
laugh at. I'm just curious, out of all the, as someone who sampled all the drugs, what do you think the most damaging one is out of the ones you've tried? I would, uh, mm, probably, I don't know, it's, it's not that much difference between freebasing a horrific, toxic, murderous thing to do. Uh, not much difference between that and meth, in my opinion, but mm, probably meth is the, the crappiest, most brain-destroying substance. You really didn't mess around. That answer was said with authority. No. You got five seconds left. I want to thank you. Thank you for this call. It was so eye-opening. All right. It's good talking to you. I'll tell my nephew I, I called you. He'll be happy. Caller, I'm very happy I could make you look cool to your nephew. That's what I'm all about. Make people look cool. Brother, nieces, nephews, cousins. Hey, I'm so glad you turned out okay. It sounds like you've, you've lived a life where you get to kind of be thoughtful and, and think about, you know, all the things you've done and how to recover. And it was so nice for you to share that thought process with us because uh, it was very, very fascinating. Very, very fascinating to hear someone so thoughtful talk so much about so many mistakes. So thank you. Thank you for opening up. Thank you to everybody who listens to the show. Thanks to the Reverend John Delore. Thanks to Greta Cohn. You've heard me say that name since the very first episode. Greta produced the pilot of Beautiful Anonymous and, and um, the initial wave of episodes. She recently left Earwolf, and I just want to give her a very big and genuine heartfelt thank you for, for helping to build this thing that has changed my life in so many positive ways. Thank you to the people who helped me make it today. Jared O'Connell, Harry Nelson in the booth. And thank you to Shell Shag, as always, for the music, the intro music. They're incredible. You want to know more about me? ChrisGeth.com includes all my tour dates. If you like Beautiful Anonymous, please do rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. It helps so, so much. We'll be back next week with more of your stories. Thank you for listening. Thanks again to Bombas for sponsoring today's show. My wife's favorite sock flips out about them all the time. She loves them. Bombas offers premium, thoughtfully crafted socks, which customers overwhelmingly claim are the most comfortable socks they've ever worn. Best of all, every pair of socks Bombas sells, they donate a pair to those in need. Donated over 2 million pairs so far. So see what a big difference this little article of clothing can make. Go to bombas.com stories. 20% off your first order. You're going to love your Bombas socks or your money's back guaranteed. B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash stories. Hello. Hey. Hi. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. How are you? I'm good. I'm excited for this experiment. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I should explain for everybody listening. So, um, this is basically this is this is uh, sponsored content, but but basically Subaru has said we want to do like mini episodes of of the regular Beautiful Anonymous with people who are currently sitting inside Subaru. So you are, I understand you're currently inside a Subaru and you're just going to, we're going to talk about life. I am. Yeah. I'm sitting in my car. Yep. What are, like, have you had any like transformative life experiences inside, inside a Subaru? What, what is this emotional connection? It, it really started like, I guess it's close to two decades now when I first started learning about 
kind of rally racing and, and Subaru's involvement in that. And from there, it just kind of spurred into multiple ownerships of, of Subarus throughout the years and uh, trying to get all my friends and family involved in it. And That's cool. What's rally racing? Rally racing is a series, um, instead of like a big loop track, like I think most normal people would kind of correlate to racing, um, it's broken up into different stages. And, you know, a stage can be a couple oh. miles to, to a lot of miles. So it's, it's kind of broken up and then do essentially time trials and to, to see how fast you can do each stage. And um, it happens all over the world, really. And there's uh, a lot of rally races actually here in America, too. And that's something, yeah, is that, you've been into this for a while? Yeah, yeah. It, it's, uh, I think, 97, 98 is when I first started learning about uh, rally racing and just became a huge fan of it. And then, you know, it's, Subaru was really a prominent kind of kind of dominant force in, in rally racing. So I kind of hitched my wagon onto them, and, and here we are now. That's cool. You ever so is, is this a thing you're just a fan of? You, part, you ever get in the uh, ever, ever get no, in the driver's seat for I, a rally I, race? I would love to. Trust me, I, I would love to. But no, it's a very what costly, I, expensive sport. What do I got to do? What do I got to do to convince you right now to uh, sac- sacrifice the rest of your financial life to get involved <laughs> right. intimately in rally right. racing? What do I got to do right now? I'll give you my wife's cell phone number, and you can discuss that with her. <laughs> <laughs> How long have you been married? Uh, I've been married for three years now. Three, well, three years. Nice. Congrats. Me too. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm at like two and a half. I like it. Nice. Yeah, yeah, that's good. <laughs> yeah. How long did you guys date yeah. before you got before you got hitched? Um, just a little over a year. So it all kind of happened really fast. We got a similar thing going. We got engaged after nine months. Yeah, yeah. You know, when you know, you know. Yeah, but I, it's it's head spinning, huh? It is. It is. Yeah. It absolutely. Is. It all kinds of happen. Happens really fast, but it's good. Yeah. It's really good. Does she know? Does she know that deep down in your heart, um, you're the first thing that you're the first thing she she's the first thing you point to when when it comes to not pursuing your dream of rally racing. Does she understand that? Does she have a laugh at that? Yeah. Yeah. She does. <laughs> yeah. She, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no. I mean, she also drives a Subaru too, so it's good. I would imagine. I would imagine that you're not you're not putting a ring on anybody's finger, <laughs> right? Right. Driving around in one of yeah. these lesser brands that shall not be named. What's an experience you have so far? Like, uh, let's say you got two kids in the car. Like, what are the what, what's the what's the most fun stuff? Like, what you're saying you have fun with the kids in the car? Like, what is it? Yeah, one that really sticks out is I'm, I'm I'm not sure how familiar you are with like the Subaru lineup of cars, but they offer up a really nice car called the WRX, which is their rally-inspired car. Um, very fast, very nimble, very quick. And I, I had purchased a new one of those, and I had gone through the break-in period. I was I was kind of ready to kind of indulge the gearbox, if you will. And I had my daughter in the back seat, my wife in the front seat, and uh, I said to my wife, I said, "Hey, get the camera and start recording." So I got to a spot where I knew it was safe. And then I looked back and I said, you know, hey, are you ready? And she, my daughter's like, yeah, yeah. And I just, I stomped on it. And you could just see her kind of fly back in the seat and she was laughing. I mean, hysterically laughing, just giggling so loud. Dad, dad, do it again, do it again, do it again. So it, it was that moment when I had been a fan for Subaru for so long and I finally get the chance to like really share it with my daughter and let her know like why I like it so much. And that's it's a video and a memory that we that we really still cherish to this day. It's just watching her scream out, just "Dad, Dad, do it again, do it again." So that was a really cool moment for me as a as a dad and also as a as a super fan. So wow. that was fun. Well, I think we uh, I, th- I think we nailed it. Awesome. I'm being told by our producers, this guy's on his lunch okay. break. Let's uh, let's get this guy, not get him in trouble. 
Okay, yeah. Yeah, it was really fun talking to you. Thanks so much. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. No, please. It's my pleasure. It's cool to hear about your kids and your life, and I, uh, I thank you for the time, and I hope it all keeps going well. Yeah, thank you. Same to you. For everyone out there listening, go to meetandowner.com to meet other real Subaru owners and hear about why they love their cars. Next time on Beautiful Anonymous, Inside Out. That could, who knows? That could be grim. Yeah, I guess you. I guess you just got to tune in to find out what that could mean. I went. I you know drove from a borough and drove over a bridge and labor and was thinking, you know, this is fucking nuts. Somebody needs to take me to the hospital. You people sorry, are Sally. horrible. And I'm like vomiting. I know. Sorry, Sally. Um, you know, I'm vomiting into this like salad bowl and <laughs> looking at the people who are with me. And I'm like, you guys are horrible. No one's helping me. Um, and basically I ended up meeting midwives who changed my entire worldview, like, almost turned me inside out, you know, like, all of a sudden, all the energy where I've been looking inward, you know, I looked outward onto the world. That's next time on Beautiful Anonymous. So you're done listening to your show, excuse me. Good for you, you And all it. you keep saying to yourself, yeah, good for you, good for you. And like, you keep saying to yourself, what do I listen to next? I finished the murder one and I finished the guy's missing one. Oh, I want another laugh. How can I laugh? Well, you could turn on the Rana and Beverly podcast. Would it kill you to turn on the Rana and Beverly podcast? You want to hear celebrities talk about their lives? You want to hear celebrities pushed against the wall, ask questions? You want to hear two brilliant women tell you everything you need to know about life, liberty, and the pursuit of everything? You're looking for advice? Then you should be listening to the Rana and Beverly podcast. You want to hear a bra commercial? And if you've never heard the show before... Feel free to start with the Beginner's Guide to Rana and Beverly, narrated by the wonderful Paul Shear. After you listen to us and fall in love, go to iTunes, Stitcher, all the apps, and go ahead and put in five stars. What's wrong with you? We know people are listening. We're going to start going to weekly. We're at bi-weekly right now. Yep. Make it worth that time. Yeah. Kiss, kiss. This has been an Earwolf production. Executive produced by Scott Ackerman, Chris Bannon, and Colin Anderson. For more information and content, visit Earwolf.com. Earwolf.